Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. I'm going to put some words up on the screen here, 15 words, and I want you to count how many of those words you would say, like if you're being completely honest, described your life over the last week. Okay, you ready for this? You're going to count the words? Here they are. Anxious, angry, busy, bored, insecure, restless, apathetic, lonely, tired, ashamed, distracted, hollow, stressed, addicted, depressed. All right, now everybody put up their number. No, you don't have to do that, okay? So one person's like, I got 12, and you're like trying to hold up a foot or something like that. Uh, One thing that I think is both funny and sad is I probably, probably could put two words up there that describe the majority of people in here. Busy and bored. Somehow, somehow, even though it seems like they're opposites, being busy and being bored, you shouldn't be able to do one and the other at the same time. They describe the state of most people's lives. I wouldn't be surprised if 75% of us could walk away saying, you know what, there are probably four or five words on that screen that describe my past week. But why is it that we feel this way? Why is it that so many of us identify with these words? It's because those words describe the state of the modern soul. This is what it feels like to be on the inside of a person who is shaped by the modern world. The question, though, is, is this inevitable? Are we just doomed to be distracted and tired and insecure, or is there actually another way? This is the first week in our summer teaching series we're gonna call Rhythms of the Soul, Rhythms of the Soul. And in this series, what we wanna do is offer an alternative to the words on the screen. As followers of Jesus, we think that there actually is a way of life that is good for our souls. Listen to how Jesus puts it. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All summer long, we're gonna be talking about specific things that we can actually do to become the sort of person who experiences the rest, the refreshment that Jesus is describing here. Do you want that? Do you want that for your life? That my hope is that this summer marks a turning point for many of us. We're coming out of COVID and the school year is done and summer is often a time when routines change and it's the perfect time to take a step back and ask the question, am I actually living the way I want to be living? Or does God actually have something better in store for me? So today, we're gonna kind of lay the foundation for this entire summer, the kind of framework for the other weeks to give a picture of how we think this sort of change is possible in our lives. To do that, I want us to turn to the New Testament book of Romans. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. A little context here for you. Romans is a letter. It was written by Paul, who was a leader in the early Jesus movement. And he's writing to a small group of Christ followers who are in the city of Rome, the capital of the empire at the time. And as you can imagine, in the first century, uh, the Christian community in Rome was very small. There's not a lot of people in this, in this big, gigantic, influential city. But these are the people who had come to believe that Jesus was actually God, 
that he had died, that he rose from the dead, and now he was seated on the throne in heaven, ruling over the universe. And when they came to believe that, it meant that things couldn't change for them. They, they couldn't continue to live the way the people around them did. They were in Rome, but they could not do as the Romans do. So this is why Paul says this at the beginning of Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give your whole self, all that you are, to God, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's thank God for speaking to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here's the main idea I want us to get out of this passage. You can either be conformed by the pressures of the world or transformed by the practices of grace. This is the key to avoiding the words that we put on the list. You can either be conformed by the pressures of the world or you can be transformed by the practices of grace. Let me start with the first half of that. You can be conformed by the pressures of the world. Here's a fundamental truth about life. You will be shaped by something. We don't just get to choose the sort of person we are. We don't just get to decide this is who we're gonna become. All of us are constantly being shaped by the things that we do and experience over and over again. Every single one of us is like Abraham Lincoln's nose. Okay, you ever go down to Springfield to visit the grave of Abraham Lincoln? Okay, I did this as a junior hire. We went on a field trip. Only remember a couple of things from that trip. One was sitting in the back of the bus with all the boys being like, who do you like? Who do you like? Who do you like? And trying to pressure you to say. And the other thing I remember is Abe Lincoln's nose. Because when you get to his gravesite, there's actually a statue of his head, a big statue of his head there. And most of the statue is kind of a, you know, a dark brown color, but there's one part that isn't. His nose is shiny gold. How did it get that way? Why is it like that? Well, it's because every day, hundreds of busloads of sweaty Palm Junior hires show up and they all do the same thing. They stand in line and they rub the nose for luck. And after decades of hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of hands touching that nose, it shines like the sun. Now, here's the thing. That did not happen in one instant. There's no one moment where it was like, it was brown and now it's gold, you know? Someone didn't just go up there and press really, really hard and, oh, it changed. It took time. It was formed by what happened to it over and over and over again. And all of us are like this too. That very rarely is there a moment that just changes everything. Sometimes that happens. But most of us, the way we grow and change as people, for good or bad, happens over time. The things that we do, the things we experience, shape us as we experience them over and over again. And the things that are formed in us over time are the things that come out of us in moments, right? That, that snappy response to someone that just sort of came out of your mouth. You didn't think about it, you just sort of reacted. The, the anger or the fear or the desire that comes up when you interact with certain people. The, uh, when you go home and you just sort of, you're not thinking about what you do, but before long you realize, oh, I just sat down, I turned on the TV or you're in a kind of uncomfortable moment and you're not really thinking about it, but you instinctively pull out your phone and do that. Like there's the, these routines, these things that just happen before we decide, and it's because we've been formed with those responses. It's sort of like if you've ever had this experience, you're, you're driving someplace and you kind of zone out a little bit and you, you're not really thinking too much, but all of a sudden you realize, oh, I arrived, you know, and you're like, how did I do that? What was going on? It's just sort of automatic. 
Uh, maybe you've been driving someplace new even, but you get to an intersection that's familiar and you just sort of automatically turn. You know, you just turn toward work, you turn toward home. Why do you do that? Well, it's because you've done it so many times that it's just on instinct. You just sort of automatically do that. That that's how we become who we are. It's actually built into the structure of our brains. <laughs> every time we do something, every time we respond to a stimulus in the same way, it strengthens the neurological paths in our brain. It gets easier for our neurons to fire in that direction. And so that behavior is almost physically etched into our system. That's why it feels so automatic when we do certain things. The things we do, the things we experience again and again, they make us who we are. And so that's why Paul warns us in this passage. He says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. And when he's talking about the pattern of the world, he's just talking about the normal rhythms that the people around you in your culture think are kind of the ordinary things we do. Because those are the things that have the effect on your soul. I actually don't think it's accidental that most of us in our culture feel busy and bored and lonely and anxious and all of those things. I think that that is the natural result of the sort of lifestyle most of us live. That if you follow the pattern, the rhythm of life that our world offers us, that's what happens on the inside of you. So it's important for us to ask the question, what are the things that we actually do over and over again and how are they shaping us? So think about the average person. The average person spends four hours a day scrolling on their phone. About half of that is social media. How does that shape your soul? If you work seven days a week, which many people do, don't take a day off, or even when you're at home, you're, you're, you're working, you, you're, your time is done, but you're kind of still working on things, you're still checking emails, still responding to things, how does that shape your soul? How are you shaped by the daily gossip of your coworkers? things they brag about, the things they criticize, the things they celebrate? How does it form you when you hear comments every day about your appearance, maybe good or bad, or comments about your performance or your race or your gender, whatever? What, what does it do to your heart when you compare yourself to other people again and again and again, or you compare your spouse to other people or your kids to other people? What does it do to your soul when every single day you check your investments to see if you've grown or, or, or your wealth has grown or your wealth has shrunk? Or when, when you sleep with your phone next to your bed or you look at your Apple watch three times in every conversation? What, what does that do on the inside of you? Now, now, hardly any of these things are unhealthy or immoral in themselves. There's probably none of those that you're like, well, that one thing is, is, is the problem. But if you step back and you take an, a, a look at the overall pattern of life, you have to ask the question, what kind of person is this turning me into? Ask yourself the question, if I continue to live the way I do right now, what kind of person will I become in five years or 10 years or at the end of my life? What, what am I becoming because of this? And is that the sort of person I wanna be? Does it look like the love and the courage, the wisdom and compassion, the peace of Jesus Christ or does it look like that list I put up earlier? Here's a sobering truth. The lifestyle you are living is perfectly designed to turn you into the sort of person you are. The lifestyle you are living is perfectly designed to turn you into the sort of person you are. If you are living like the world lives, you shouldn't be surprised if you feel like the world does. You cannot keep living the same lifestyle, the same rhythm, and expect different results. The other day, I was in the kitchen washing dishes and I was listening to some music and a song came on that was, uh, I was with my daughter. So my seven-year-old daughter, Lydia, was there and we were together and a song came on that was in three, four times. So it was a waltz. And I thought, oh, 
I should teach my daughter how to waltz. That's a good daddy-daughter thing. So we get in position and, you know, we're kind of like, I do a little box step. So it's like one, two, three, one. It's very awkward, right? One, two, three, one, two. We're doing this around. And, you know, at first it's very, you know, kind of stiff or whatever. But, you know, by the end of the song, we're getting it. One, two, three, one, two, three. We're doing it. But then the song changed. And it was not a waltz. It was not that rhythm. It was a salsa beat. So it was the little... Yeah, yeah, so we're doing this. But I'm still standing there with my daughter, and we're still doing one, two, three, one. But I'm hearing this, you know. You, can't, you cannot dance a waltz to a salsa beat. You, it's, it, it, you, can't, you can't do that, right? If you are living according to the rhythms of the world around you, it is really hard to become a different kind of person than the world around you. Your inner life, your character, will dance to the rhythm of the life that you are living. And if you want something different for your soul, you need to change the song that you are dancing to. And so this brings us to the second half of, of the big idea here. You can either be conformed by the pressure of the world or you can, can be transformed by the practices of grace. Let me tell you something that changed my spiritual life. I've, I've been a Christ follower for a long time. But early on in my walk with Jesus, there were a lot of things in my life that I was like, I wish this was different but I felt like I was spinning my wheels, like things weren't changing the way I wanted them to go. I would go to church and I would hear a sermon, my pastor would say something, he'd explain the Bible and I'd be like, oh, the light bulb went off, that's a great insight, that, that's gonna change things, you know? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be different now that I know that. And on Monday morning, you know how much it would be different? Nothing. Or, or I'd go on a retreat, I'd go with my church, we'd go for a weekend someplace, we'd be praying and we'd be worshiping, we'd spend time with God and it would be wonderful. I'd feel so close to God, it was really, really valuable. And I, I'd make a commitment, I'd decide, I'd say from here on out, this is gonna be different, I'm gonna change. For a few weeks afterwards, things were a little bit different, you know, kind of the buzz was there, but it, it wore off and a month later, almost all the time, my life looked exactly the same. And so I started to wonder, what am I doing wrong? You know, I, I'm learning these things. I'm, I'm, I'm making decisions to, to do this or that. Why don't, isn't that making a difference? Well, it turned out the problem wasn't what I was doing. The problem was what I was not doing. In Romans 12, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I had thought that if I heard an inspiring sermon or got an insight or I made a decision, a commitment to change, that that would be enough to renew my mind and transform my life. And it turns out those things are actually a good beginning, but they weren't the whole thing, they weren't enough. What I needed in addition to those things was to actually adopt new practices in my life, my daily life, that would shape who I was over time. Think about it this way, the average churchgoer today, someone who says I'm a regular church attender, attends church once a month, maybe twice. And that means that that person spends a little bit more than an hour, maybe two hours, in a service hearing from God's word and worshiping each month, which is good. But you gotta think about the fact that uh, over uh, the rest of the month, 500 hours you are awake, 500 hours. And during that time, other things are shaping you and your, your, your perspective, your desires, the way you think about things. Uh, every single month, the average person encounters 150,000 advertisements designed by people specifically to shape your perspective and your desires in life. The, the average person, of the 500 waking hours they have each month, they spend 72 of those on social media. They spend 120 of those watching a, a TV show or a movie. If you're over the age of 50, that actually goes up by about 
It is really hard for an hour or two of church to compensate for that. Even if you're here every single weekend, four or five hours of church is not enough to make up for all of that. It makes sense that most of us are dancing to the rhythms of the world rather than the rhythms of God. So what do you do about that? You make a deliberate decision about what you're gonna let shape you each day of your life. In other words, you take up spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Uh, That's kind of a funny word. You're kind of like, what do we mean by that? It's very simple. A spiritual discipline is a practice that shapes you to become like Jesus over time. It's a simple practice that shapes you to be like Jesus over time. In other words, spiritual disciplines are the way you take control over what you're letting form you. Instead of letting whatever's around you and whatever the normal thing is shape you, you say, no, these are the things that are gonna shape me. This is what's going to influence me each day. A lot of us have no idea how we're going to actually become like Jesus. We just kind of hope that it happens one day. But that's sort of like hoping one day you'll run a marathon. You know, like if today I said, all right, we're all gonna go outside, we're gonna run 26 miles right now. How many of us could pull that off? Almost none of us, right? Most of us, if we attempted to do that, we would fail. It doesn't matter how hard we work, how how committed we were. It doesn't matter what information we know about running. You, You just can't do it. And yet, every single year, half a million people in this country run a marathon. How, how do they do that? Is it just they're better than the rest of us? Or, or, or they were naturally born with the ability to run 26 miles? No, no one's born with that ability. They train for it. They start off running short distances, distances they can actually do right now. And gradually over time, they work their way up to being able to run longer and longer distances. They're shaped by that. And this is actually how spiritual disciplines work. You don't say this, you know what, I am gonna be a person who is joyful in every circumstance. I'm just gonna work really, really hard to be joyful no matter what. You you do that, that's like trying to run a marathon. It's a great ambition, but you're gonna fail. What you do instead is you say, you know what I'm gonna do every single day? I'm gonna spend five minutes. Simple, anybody can give five minutes. And I'm gonna write down things that I'm thankful for from this day, and I'm gonna spend some time actually thanking God for those things. And you start to do that, very simple. And over a month or two, over a year, over a lifetime of doing that, you know what you become? The sort of person who is joyful in all circumstances. It's not trying hard, it's training that happens. You don't just say, you know what, I'm gonna be the sort of person who cares about the needs of the world. I'm gonna gonna care about issues out there. You don't do that. You say, no, each day, I'm gonna take a little bit of time and I'm gonna pray for one of our international impact partners and the needs of that place. You don't say, you know, I'm gonna try really, really hard to be humble, like that, that always, that's a face plant. Every time you're like, I'm gonna just, I'm not gonna think too much of myself, I'm just gonna be a really humble person. You know, look at me, I'm humble. It doesn't work, right? What you do is you say each week, I'm gonna spend an hour serving someone else and not seek praise for it. And over time, you become humble. You train to become like Jesus. This is actually how Paul describes it in another one of his letters. He wrote a letter to a guy he was mentoring, a younger guy, and he, he said this. He said, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. I, I can tell you personally, I have found this to be the secret of actually growing as a person, picking the things that I'm gonna let shape me rather than just trying harder. And this is what this entire series is gonna be about. It's gonna be about different spiritual disciplines, different practices that we can all do. We're gonna talk about Sabbath. That's what we're talking about next week and how it actually brings a restful heart. 
We're gonna talk about worship and how it brings joy and hope. We're gonna talk about feasting and fasting and how that changes our relationship with, with our desires and, and, and how we see life. We're gonna talk about prayer and gratitude and lament. We're gonna talk about our relationship with technology. We're gonna talk about how to get scripture into us and selfishness out of us. And I'm really excited about this because I can tell you just from personal experience, any one of these practices has the power to change your life. Now, my hope is that over the summer, uh, you would be able to kind of think through some of these practices and say, which one of these would be helpful for me right now in my season of life? You're not gonna be able to add all of them at once. You can't be like, I'm gonna do all of them. And you, that, you know, you're gonna probably pick one or two and say, this is what works for me right now. But my hope is that by the end, you would have a bit of a plan for yourself to say, this is the, this is the things that are gonna shape me, that are gonna give the rhythm to my life. Uh, ancient spiritual writers, they actually had a term for this. They called it a rule of life, a rule of life. It's just the plan that you have for your spiritual practices that give a rhythm to your life that's actually sustainable. You ever go to a live music, okay? You see a concert, you see a band that's performing and they're just amazing. Like one of those bands that's incredible live. And you see them and you see, man, they're just playing with passion. The music is just flowing out of them. And for those of us that are not musicians, we look at that and we're like, how do they do that? just a marvel. You know, they must just have it in them. They just feel it. It just comes naturally for them. It's so impressive. And to a degree, that's true. There's natural ability. But the reason really great musicians can play with such ease and passion, the reason they can feel it deep down is because they've spent a lot of time practicing certain things over and over and over again. What comes out in the performance is what went into them in practice. But it's not just the fact that they practice a lot. Even during their performance, they have things that help them stay on the beat. They stay in the rhythm that they've decided. So orchestras, if you've been in an orchestra, you, you know they've got a conductor and that keeps everybody together. Bands have drummers. Uh, most modern pop and rock groups, they actually play with a metronome in their ear. You may not know this. So this is a kind of little peek behind the curtains, even here at Christ Community Church. Uh, our musicians, they actually wear what are called in-ear monitors. Maybe you've noticed, you know, they got the, the little things in their ears. Uh, this helps them uh, bo both hear themselves and the rest of the band really well, but it's more than that. They also have in their ear what, something that's called a click, which is just kind of a metronome that's keeping a steady beat. And they also have what's called the guide. So the guide is kind of a voice that says what the next part of the song is gonna be. You know, the next is the verse or the chorus or whatever. Uh, this is actually what it sounds like. Let me, let me play this for you. One, two, intro, two, three, four. Verse, two, three, four. And so that, that's what our musicians, you, you might, you're like, really? That's what's going on. That's what they're, they're doing. I, I promise they're still listening to the spirit, but that little guy is also whispering in their ear as well. Now, the other day, we had a couple of our musicians actually sit down and talk about what it's like to play with that click and guide in their ear and how this is actually a good metaphor for spiritual disciplines and a rule of life. So let's listen into that conversation. What do you think of when you think of somebody that has good rhythm? When I think of somebody that has good rhythm, I think of uh, someone who is qualified to be able to keep the beat. Someone who is the glue for the band. So the team on the weekend, a lot of times, people, people may not know this, 
but we play with a constant metronome. We play with actual cues or guides uh, that we hear in our ears that help us know where to go. Right. And when people hear that, they often ask me the question, how can you play with that constant noise? How can you play with those voices in your head? As a drummer, how do you, how do you play with that? So once you practice with a guide, then you become familiar with the roadmap of the song. So the guide then becomes a kind of a, a, a reminder of where you're going. But if you practice enough with the click, you practice enough with the guide, they'll eventually just fade to the background and you know where you're going. You're able to add your add yourself to the music. But yeah, it's it's definitely practice and, and like I said, fades to the background. And when it fades into the background, oftentimes we think of the rhythms of our life, the the, the spiritual disciplines of our life being prayer, uh, being scripture reading, scripture memorization, fasting, times of worship. Um, we want those things in our lives to almost be so regular, like a click, like a metronome, to fade into the background. And then those gatherings of worship almost being the cues, the guides in our lives that they, they help tell everybody, hey, this is where we're going next. Hey, this is the reference point. And this is, this is what's coming up. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about tempo and we talk about rhythm, who decides how fast or slow a song should go? I mean, I think that's really um, determined by the writer of the song. Um, when they're writing the song, are they trying to write or convey um, a song of praise? If that is the case, then most likely it'd be a little bit faster. Are they trying to write a song of, you know, prayer or meditation or worship? Those songs are normally a little slower, so I think it's really determined by the, the writer and, you know, what they're trying to convey. So as the author, I know about how fast that song should go. Same thing with God. He is the author of all we are, all that we know, all that we see. And he knows how our life, how our faith should be played out, how that daily walk is. So we look to him as the author of creation to set those spiritual disciplines in our lives. We look to his word to be grounded in truth. That's, that's awesome. That is a great way to look at it. So whether you're a musician or a band, You've got to have that steady rhythm. You've got to have that steady beat, whether it's internal or external, to be able to align your band or your instrument with. In the, sim the same way, we have to be able to be spiritually healthy. We've got to align ourselves with those spiritual disciplines, that steady rhythm of spiritual disciplines in our Christian walk and be aligned with the author of creation. Well, this is what we want, isn't it? We want our lives to be like a song. We want it to be beautiful. We want it to be an expression of passion for, for God and for people. We want it to flow out of us in this natural way. But in order for that to happen, we've gotta have this consistent, steady sense of rhythm in our life. This is, this is where the spiritual disciplines, the rule of life comes in. If you pay attention as you're reading God's word, uh, oftentimes in details you might pass over, it describes how many of the heroes of faith that we have, they actually had really regular rhythms in their life. See, people like Daniel or Peter or even Jesus, where they had normal times where they withdrew each day to be in prayer. You read Deuteronomy 6, which Jesus said was the most important passage in the Old Testament. It talks about how you love God. It says that one of the ways you do that is by talking about God's word with other people around you. You, you. you talk about it when you rise up and when you lie down. You talk about it when you're going throughout your day. There are these normal places in your day where you engage with Scripture. 
As you, uh, this past week, if, we, if you read uh, in Bible Savvy, the book of Numbers, there was actually a chapter that was about kind of the rhythms of worship that the people of Israel had, what they did weekly, what they did uh, each day, what they did monthly, what they did uh, yearly, the festivals they had. There was this, this pattern, this rhythm to their life as a people. And that's what sustained them and their connection with God. Now for us, that kind of rhythm, it can be as simple as something you just write on a note card. Like to just actually write down daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Here's what I'm gonna do. Here are my practices. You know, each day I'm gonna spend some time in prayer. I'm gonna read Bible savvy and I'm gonna journal what I'm thankful for at the end of the day. Those are, those are your daily practices. Weekly, I'm gonna uh, worship with God's people at church. I'm gonna uh, spend uh, time serving in this way. And you kind of have a weekly rhythm of the things that shape you. Uh, monthly, yearly, here are, the, here are the holidays I'm gonna celebrate, the seasons we're gonna uh, participate in. Here's, here is how I'm gonna be shaped by the rhythms of God. And, and it's a plan that you, you follow in order for you to uh, live that flourishing life. And it's not meant to be kind of hollow rules or rituals. It's not something, to, something that's just tightly controlling you. It's sort of like a trellis, okay? If you've got a garden, you might have a trellis in your garden, which is a structure that certain plants need to grow. So a trellis on its own is kind of stiff. It's a framework for things, just pieces of wood. But without a trellis, certain plants, they can't flourish. They just end up being a kind of a mess of vines on the ground rather than something beautiful and healthy and growing. We, we need those structures in our lives. When we don't have those rhythms, we don't have those structures, what happens to our life is, is kind of a mess. We don't grow the way we should. Now, if you wanna go a little bit deeper on this idea during the series, there's a few books that I'd recommend, uh, three really good books. Uh, the first is The Common Rule by Justin Early. My goodness. Okay, guys, this is one of those books where if you, you, sometimes you run across a book as a pastor, you're like, if I could have everybody in the church read one book, this is what one, one I would have. This is on the list, okay? I, I've already read this several times. Uh, I'm probably gonna read it again. It's that good. What's great about this, okay? It's, it's not written by a pastor. It's not written by some spiritual guru. It's written by a guy who is a mergers and acquisitions lawyer, okay? So he lives a busy life. He's got all sorts of things going on. And he just realized the pace, the rhythm of his life was killing him. And he, he hit a wall and he hit it hard and he realized some things needed to change in his life. And what he discovered was something that is actually incredibly wise, uh, incredibly uh, helpful for people in the modern world. It's really, really good. Highly recommend it. Second book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is a fantastic title. Uh, it's by John Mark Comer. It is wise, it is funny, it is challenging. Uh, again, it's about living a sustainable rhythm in, in our current age. Uh, I've recommended this to a ton of people over the last couple of years. And then the last book is called God in My Everything by Ken Shigematsu. Uh, I tried to get Ken to come and speak in this series uh, over the summer, but he lives in Canada and there are weird travel restrictions still, so it got complicated, so it didn't work out, but maybe in the future. Uh, but this is a, a great book, lots of different spiritual practices uh, that you might wanna check out. But here's the thing about all of this. Spiritual disciplines, a rule of life, these are not meant to be like just one more thing to add to your busy schedule. Like I already got all of this going on and you're telling me to do more? Like how's that gonna solve the problem we're talking about? They're actually the opposite of that. These are the act of rebellion you put up to say no to the things of modern life that are shaping you that the insanity of the world around us, you're gonna say, no, that I am not gonna fall for that. These are the way you take up resistance against the forces that are corroding your soul. It's actually the antidote to the hurried, harried, busy, bored, anxious, angry, restless, rootless life that we wanna avoid. This is actually the way of Jesus. It's the way you find rest for your soul. And the reason that's the case is because spiritual disciplines 
are based on grace. They're based on grace. Look at the beginning of, of chapter 12 again. Paul starts like this. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, say that with me, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, do all of these things. The entire book of Romans, for the 11 chapters before this, you know what Paul's been trying to do? He's been trying to say again and again, your standing with God doesn't depend on your performance, doesn't depend on you and what you've done. It depends on what Jesus has done. You are, 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 your life is based on grace. When Paul says be transformed, he is not giving us the conditions so that God will accept us and bless us. No, he's saying because of what Jesus has already done, his death on the cross, his resurrection, that's the reason why God welcomes and accepts us and forgives us. You don't have to do anything to earn that. God loved us and he sought us when we were a mess, when we were running away from him. Romans 5 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Spiritual disciplines are not a way to earn favor with God. They're a way to experience the favor God has already shown you. They don't earn you points with him. Spiritual disciplines aren't the way you can sort of make something of yourself. They're the way you open yourself up to the God who's making something of you. In the old days, spiritual disciplines were sometimes called the means of grace, the means of grace, because they were ways to receive and experience and be shaped by God's grace. A rock at the bottom of a river gets smooth because the water runs over it again and again. But the rock, the rock is not what changes itself. The rock doesn't make itself smooth. It's the constant flow of the river that does it. You know what spiritual disciplines are? It's dropping the rock in the river. They're the ways of putting ourselves in the flow of God's grace so he can be the one who shapes us. And this is exactly what makes these things so countercultural, so countercultural. Because you know what our modern world is based off of? It's not grace, it's performance. The world tells us again and again, whispers to our soul, you gotta make something of yourself. You gotta prove yourself. You gotta win a life for yourself. You gotta express who you are. You gotta do all this. You gotta make something of yourself. It's performance. It gives us these images of success that we just can never meet. Wealth beyond what we have right now. Impossible standards of beauty that we can never live up to. The idyllic family life, the passionate romance, the fulfilling career, whatever it is. And it says, you could have this if you worked hard enough. If you had what it takes, if you can control your image, if you just hustle, you can have it. But that's a lie. It's an absolute lie. And it's the reason our souls are in tatters. Because the world has been whispering that in our ear constantly all our life. And we desperately, desperately need to hear a different song. We need to be shaped by God's grace. The, the more you rest in Christ, the less busy you're gonna be. The more satisfied you are in Jesus, the less bored and restless you're gonna be. The, the more you experience God's forgiveness and mercy, the less shame is gonna have a grip on your soul. The, the more you experience God's affection for you, the less insecure you're gonna be. We need to let God's love, God's grace be the rhythm in our ear, the song we're listening to over and over again till it gets stuck in our head and it just kind of flows out of us as we move through the world. Imagine what it would be like if that's what all of us did. Wouldn't it be amazing if the church of Jesus Christ was a beautiful alternative to the world around us? People would look at us and they would say, man, they, they, they've found freedom from all of this that plagues me. They're not bored and busy and anxious and distracted. They, they're grounded. They're rooted in something solid. They, they, they've got a peace that's secure. That, that is beautiful and appealing. Don't you want that? I sure do. 
uh, as we close, I wanna give us some time to reflect. Now, I've been talking in big, broad terms, kind of generalities about how things need to change, but I think that God has something specific for each one of us, that he wants to say, here's something that needs to change. So here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna put uh, three questions on the screen. Uh, here are the questions. Who are you becoming? Who, who, what kind of person are you actually becoming? What in your life is forming you? And what needs to change so that you're being formed by God's grace? Now, I, I'd encourage you sometime this week, find some time to reflect on these, uh, journal about these, talk with other people about these questions. But for now, I just wanna give us just kind of a, a minute of reflection and prayer just to focus on that last question there, okay? What needs to change? What, what pattern in my life needs to change so that I'm being formed by God's grace? So I'm gonna take a moment and you just listen to what God has to say to you uh, about that question. Just give you a few minutes. really do want to have the heart of Jesus, to know his peace and his love, to be secure in him, to have his compassion, his heart for the world. And God, we know that all the pressures push against us and make it hard for us to actually be like that. So God, we pray that you would show us the ways that you want our lifestyle to change so that we would be living in a way that shapes us, puts us in the, the path of your grace, that your love, your truth would be the, the thing that runs over us again and again and makes us who you want us to be. God, we thank you. You promised that, that you're not gonna stop working on us until the work is done, that we actually look like Christ. And so God, we offer up our life to you. God, continue to speak to us if there's something that you want 
uh, us to change. Show us over the course of this week. Show us over the course of this summer as we talk about these practices. We thank you that you are our hope and you haven't left us just the way we are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.